Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. We're like a spider. We weave our life and then move along in it. We are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives in the dream. This is true for the entire universe, from the Aitreya Upanishad. We wish for you a good experience, ladies and gentlemen, Inland Empire. I've got idea Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me... Brian Kasaska. We're on the phone with Mark Givens, Deer Metal Radio Podcast. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Good. We've, had, we've had a crazy uh, couple months here. But you've been busy. I mean, you had Harley Payton on recently. That I'm was like, fun, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. It. I'm excited what you're doing, though. It seems like every month now you're having a Twin Peaks uh, a producer or writer or... Yeah, there could be more coming. Nothing uh, really... That in terms of that, I think we need to dive in secret history, which is, you know, everyone's getting their stuff out there on that. So, yeah. I'm, you know, I like to kind of look over the things and think about them for a while. So, it, I guess I'm working on it. anniversary of Inland Empire. Wow. Ten da years. Ten years. T David Lynch's mm. last uh, film that he did. And, and Mark, did you see it in theaters? I did, yeah. I've, uh, I think since Firewalk With Me, I think I've seen all of his. So I was actually going through my emails, and uh, yeah, like ten years ago, what really happened was it was a limited release of Inland Empire. So in, in New England, where I live, it wasn't released until February, and I was gonna go to Boston because I thought that was the first time I'd oh, be able wow. to see it. It's email yeah. my wife saying, I gotta go to Boston. <laughs> and then I realized I don't have to go to Boston. <laughs> we have an artsy, uh, independent film theater that was showing it that same week. So I actually yeah. did end up see it. So I was saying, 
I don't know if you should come see this movie. It's going to be almost three hours long, and it looks kind of <laughs> obscure. And I don't. I was asking my wife, did you, did you come with me then? And she said, I don't think so. I think I went and saw it myself. Uh, yeah, I went solo for that one because I really couldn't think of it. Like, um, same thing with my wife. I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that right, right now. My girlfriend, I, I, I said, I'm going to watch this when you're at work. And she looked at the cast, and she goes, oh, that person's in it. She's like, would I like it? I'm like, no. <laughs> but, I mean, this movie is an acquired taste. Yes. And you know what you're getting into Literally. with David Lynch, at least. But Yeah, what did you think? This is your first time, Brian, seeing the film. What did you think of it? Overall, I liked it. It was entertaining. It was thought-provoking. Unlike Wild at Heart, which was more straightforward, this very had an echo of Mohan Drive hmm. to me. And it felt like Mohan Drive to a certain point, and then it just went, er, nope. And I like that. It was like, good, I'm not getting Mohan Drive part two. So I'd like to give you some history about this. So yeah. like, like around 2000, David Lynch uh, started coming up with his own website that he was going to do videos, and it was going to become a membership website that you had to pay. It was like around nine-something dollars that you'd pay. And I think it started in 2002 that access was given, where you could see all these different little short videos, experimental videos, and mm. some of those videos would have rabbits in it, which had ended up being in this film. Yeah. And then he had also had another thing I'll talk about, uh, Exxon N, we can talk about yeah. as the show goes on. In the weather. And the weather. He, and the he weather. did weather reports. And, stuff. <laughs> and so, Mark, you and I both were, were members of this for a yes. period of time. That's what, true. Do you remember? What was your experience like uh, going to DavidLynch.com? Yeah, yeah, I think you, uh, you lasted longer than I did. I think I was waiting for that. You know, it was forever coming soon. Yeah. And I he had a little uh, early uh, gift. Uh, him with uh, <laughs> like sawing through some wood, yes. you know, coming soon, coming or working soon. on it. That's working what it was. Work, that's what it was working on. <laughs> right. And that was up there for like a year. Wow. And then when he finally opened, there was some content on there, but I don't think I, I waited for rabbits and that kind of yeah. stuff. There was dumb land and there was some cartoons and some right. shorts. I think you, you hung out a, a little longer than I did. Because I think it was going to be 2002 and it probably ended up being 2003 that the videos became av available. So these videos he then used in Inland Empire. But So here's here's a little thing about David Lynch. He, he does his rabbits, which ended up being like nine... I think eight or nine uh, videos. Mm -hmm. They were short videos. So already I have an interpretation of what these rabbits are about. And then when I see the movie, it's it's different. But so he does that. So when he, when it comes time for Lynch to do this movie, he's he's doing it in pieces. He he'll be writing something and give it to the actors, and they'll work on it. He doesn't have a full script. He's just mm, like doing pieces. I totally of, get that. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally get that. So he's like, yeah, I've got this idea right now, and uh, let's go there. And like, so I it, I don't know how how long this took, but it could have been close to four years that he could have probably be I did read it. somewhere it did yeah. say this movie did take like four years yeah Ben and myself we're, we're, our backgrounds in video mm. I noticed right. a couple things this to me is not David Lynch's style there's right. literally no wide shots hmm. and if there's a wide shot the audio is bad and I'm thinking he's shooting this on a handy cam mm. it looks to me like mini DV like a yep. mini DV because I filmed a lot of my shows on mini-DV. The whites are crushed. It's grainy, mm. especially in the dark scenes. Mm. Especially, I'm watching this on a, a big screen TV, an HD TV. So he didn't put any money in towards lighting. It's all natural. The lighting is from windows. It's mm. from hallways. There's no- Some of it is, there, there are times that there's direct, there's specific times when there's light 
on a character for a reason. Yes, yes. But there's a, you're right. There's a lot of shots where it's just kind of like blown out in the back. Right. It's blown out. So then, and then another thing I noticed, I noticed that the audio, it felt like the audio was being captured directly from the camera mm. where nobody was mic'd. There was no boom mic because all the shots were in the face. And the audio sounded really good when they were in front of the camera. Mm. But then when they did a wide shot, especially when, uh, I'm going to say Sarah Palmer, but what's uh, the, yeah, the, the visitor? The, the Polish neighbor, I think. Yeah. She oh, she's I think you can, you, can, you can bring up Sarah Palmer there, I think. Yeah. So she comes in in the audio. It sounds echoey because they're, they're, yes. they're, it's on location. It's in a real house. It's not in a set. Her audio sounds like it's being captured from the camera, you know, 10 feet away. So first thing I noticed, I'm like, this is like David Lynch on a budget. I'm glad you said that. David Lynch funded this film. This is all his. So, and he said he basically he doesn't want to do film anymore. He's gonna do all all his work now in in digital video because it was so quick. You know, you shoot something, you can put it in a computer, and you can edit Digit, it. You yeah. can look at it, and you don't have to wait around, and it's so much cheaper. So he this was the end of film for Lynch. Okay, for this movie, it works. Because this movie is very in-your-face frantic. After watching it and being shocked by the visual, it works. But this is not David Lynch's style. The loss of detail, I've noticed the loss of detail in things. It's like there's scenes where the whites are just bleeding. And, like, it's very hard to make out things, you know? So here's it's, the question. It's very is ugly it, looking. This, this movie seems kind of like a dream. Does it kind of, Can it fit like that because it is yeah. so... That's why I think it works. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. David Lynch doing it this way after watching it, it works for him. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it's David Lynch. Because if this was Steven Spielberg putting a movie out like this, <laughs> people would be like, what happened? Yeah. But David Lynch can get away with it because right. it works. He makes it work. He makes it. He knows how to make it work. I think if someone inexperienced did the same thing, it wouldn't be as good. Mm-hmm. And I, I give him credit for making it work. But I noticed right away, this was so different from him. Like, this right. is not what I'm used to. I miss yeah. the, the long shot where it oh, just yeah. it's stable and you hear everybody. It's and almost like a, usually it's like a play where you have yeah. these wide shots. A and painting. The, yeah. We pain, said right. we always moving said, a moving painting. Yeah. I mean, um, wh- what do you feel about the, the way this movie was filmed? Yeah, yeah. I think you're totally on something there. I think Lynch, anytime he comes out, he doesn't want to repeat himself. Hmm. I mean, I think he gets, he gets accused of that a lot because he's playing with the same kind of themes and that kind of thing. But you're right. I mean, if you go back to his last one, Mulholland Drive, that's a beautiful movie. Hmm. I don't have the... Uh, the technical background that you guys got, but I totally, I totally get what you're talking about there, uh, Brian. Yeah. With uh, the feel of it, I mean, it's just in some ways, it's just an ugly, in-your-face. He's not gone for for that mood. He's he's uh, making things blurry a lot. There's not that detail. And if you think about it, to me, the, my big takeaway from this, and I watched it, I think three or four times now. David Lynch movies, and that's, it gets tricky in podcasts sometimes because it's hard to talk about how you feel watching it, you, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. They're, they're set up to hit you on a, a sensory level that words don't quite, you know, you can't get to. Mm. But I would say my, my, my big takeaway from it right away that I got was that this movie's all over. There's time elements. There's, mm. I, I was making a list a little bit earlier. There's at least nine different stories, dreams, 
<laughs> gone on. You know, there's the rabbits in there connecting things. Yeah. So it's it's all over the place, and I think that that fits that style of what you were describing, uh, Brian. It really it's choppy, it's ugly, it's not trying to be clean. Um, if there is like a a straight shot through it, I always felt it was more like thematically the characters are going through the same kinds of things. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's not, you jump, you jump all of a sudden you're in Poland, mm. but still a domestic situation, and maybe Laura Dern's still in it. And I don't know, it, there's definitely dream stuff going on there. And to me, after years of thinking about this and putting it in context, I can't help when I'm watching this movie, I'm kind of putting everything in the context of Twin Peaks, <laughs> or, you know, that, mm. that mythology of the lodges and ever since Twin Peaks, every movie's had these mysterious characters mm. that kind of come out of nowhere. They interact with the regulars. Um, their, their motives are mysterious. We have the mystery man, mm. the cowboy. And they become and other people. They seem to be switching. They seem to switch. The gypsy in this one. There's a gypsy, yeah. Well, the gypsy or the, um, the phantom. Well, that's going through this. There's, like I said, there's nine or ten different stories. So my last viewing, I'm trying to pick out which one of these, I mean, maybe it's not Twin Peaks, but there's some kind of other thing Mm. going on here. It's not just a straight story. The movie starts with a gramophone. Winter day in an old hotel, and then we're in a hotel with these people, and you know, and they're kind of um, distorted, and I think they're distorted because this is the radio play, you know what I mean? And then from the radio play, we uh, we all of a sudden go to uh, the girl looking at a TV, and and yeah. and then the TV becomes rabbits, and the rabbits is almost like I feel like the honeymoons. <laughs> it's like we're now in another time period, mm-hmm. and then. All of a sudden, we have these actors, and the actors come on this this uh, talk show, and there's the crowd laughing with that. And then we have this this story. This movie is based on another movie about a Poland folklore. folklore. Or something. Yeah, that yeah. folklore is being told. Yeah, gypsy, an gyp- old gypsy folklore. Yes. And yeah. it's being told throughout the whole movie. And yeah, it's like, yeah, you're yeah. right, but it seems like Which we're... I just realized this time, that doesn't even really make sense, because we see the movie they're making, Yeah, and it's a modern movie. <laughs> you know, it has nothing yeah. to do with an old gypsy folklore. True. Yeah. Well, it's a remake. It's yeah, a remake. it's a remake. But it's he, a remake of a of a folktale. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nikki and Devin, you know, they're told by the director that you know you didn't, you guys didn't know this is a remake, and they're like, and he's like, I don't do remakes. I I don't do remakes. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? And he goes, Well, it was never finished because a tragedy happened, and they were both killed. Mm. So right. it's a remake of a movie that never came out because they were killed. But this is also a, a based upon a story, based upon a story, based upon a story, based going further, further, further back to mm, this gypsy right. folklore. So this story has been told iterate different iterations throughout time, yeah. and then someone tried to make a movie out of it, and it was cursed. And then now and they're that, trying to make a movie out of it. And and all that kind of mirrors, like we we're saying there, we have all these stories yeah. that are connected somehow. And they're they're there right in the movie talking about that, you know. Yeah, in yeah. A, in a little microcosm. I feel like it's like you're using these different mediums. You're starting with what was like a record player, and then going into, and then you're going into like this radio drama that turns into TV. Mm-hmm. 
and it seems to be the time period of like the honeymooners or something like that. But and then mm. you all of a sudden get in the modern day of like oh, let's get the big, best gossip we can. And then it moves. It's it's just interesting to see these different mediums kind of all working together mm. and telling this story. Said, I think I've been uh, dipping my toe in it. I, I really do take it from the, the, and you can call it the Lynch first, you can call it whatever, but there's this mythology going on there. And the more I watch it, more stuff like that pops out of it. I mean, we have red curtains. Yes. When they're going <laughs> into mysterious hallways. I mean, that's not very subtle. And I don't mm. think Lynch... He's pretty detail oriented, you yeah. know that kind of thing. Reds and blues. You said it. We, yeah, we had uh, Sarah Palmer. You said that um, earlier when we were yeah. chatting. There's some relationship there. I'm convinced she tells the story. First of all, her character is the visitor. Yep. And she comes from down the way, a small mm. town. All these kind of vague <laughs> things. You know, she seems to know what's going on in the woods. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not subtle. I don't think <laughs> when the more you watch it, you know, well, then you get lost in the story and all that. Oh, but yeah. the one thing I did want to point out there, she, she specifically says, um, I think she starts to get into what's going to happen to Laura Dern. She starts talking about going mm. behind the alley and all this. Yes. But before that, yeah. she tells a story about a little boy. A little boy went out to play. When he opened his door, he saw the world. As he passed through the doorway, he caused a reflection. Evil was born. Evil was born and followed the boy. Is that Leland Palmer you think they're talking about? I think that's Dale Cooper going through the final episode, the creation of the doppelganger because of the reflection. But, you know, that's just kind of mumbled, and then it goes in a completely different direction. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely see that. It's a Um, puzzle. It's a puzzle, though, I think. The other thing is, it's almost... this. kind of feels a little bit like Alice in Wonderland to some degree. We have the rabbits mm. and we have this doorway and the doorway seems like it could be an entrance to another world maybe. Mm. And yeah. Maybe. I do see the Twin Peaks references. Um, like the, the hotel room could be like the lodge. Yeah. Um, or, you know, this middle ground. And, There's um, that, that hotel room, I saw at this viewing, there's a blue rose on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? No, I didn't notice a blue yeah. rose in the Yeah, wall. there's a, I mean, unless I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it wrong. And again, it's kind of in the background. You know, there's other weird, crazy stuff going on. But in, I'm, a, I'm a believer in that. I really I, am. I'm watching these movies as we go through the show. Here. Right. I haven't watched them in order. But just seeing this, I told Ben before the show, I said, I felt like I was watching David Lynch's greatest hits in one movie. Mm. Like he t- he took a lot of ideas that I've seen from Twin Peaks, Mohan Drive, Firewalk with Me, and all the movies I've watched so far, and I see those ideas being presented again in a different manner or little clues, like you just saying about all these clues that could uh, tie into Twin Peaks. That culminates kind of at the end of the movie, just what you're saying there. He's got a a lumberjack there sawing through wood. Oh, I want... Got, uh, yes, the lumberjack. Lard, the, from Mulholland Drive is there. Yes. It's like, what's going on here? A monkey? There's a monkey running around? Yeah, the monkey made me think of Firewalk with, with me, me, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it does feel like his... If this was his last film, I mean, it, 
was his last film. He hasn't put anything out since. It was sort of like a family reunion. Mm. And it was like all these... It's interesting. So the rabbits were Laura Ellen Herring and Naomi Watts and another guy was Scott Coffey. But they did the the voices of the rabbits and stuff. So it's interesting to see... I mean, this Mm. was a few years after Mulholland Drive that they got together and did this. It's interesting to see them part of this. Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Regular Lynch. uh, Justin Thorax. Right. Yeah, I can never say his last name right and yeah i'm the same way and you don't know you know directors work with actors they like and that kind of thing yeah but then he plays around with that where like you said you think this is crazy sarah palmer 20 years later yeah knocking at the, door, you know? <laughs> the way that lynch promoted this was he just said it's a girl in trouble that that was his whole pitch yep. for this film no i read the people who put the film out didn't know how to promote it so that's when they watched it they just said there's a girl in trouble like it wasn't lynch it was like the uh-huh. how to promote this film well, Lynch came out before even, I think even before he had finished it. He, he, he just said a girl. He, tr- yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so how would you promote? I wouldn't know right. how to promote this film. So <laughs> um, I'll give you guys my theory. Now, this is my theory of watching it once. And I, oh, God. So I'm, I'm glad I'm in good company that re- nobody knows. And I love it because it's David Lynch. So nobody's wrong. Nobody's right. And I love that. I was entertained. And this movie felt like... Uh, Real quickly, like a home movie because of the the handy cam. Mm. I felt like I was watching a home movie, right? David Lynch's yeah. home movie. Yes, yeah. this is what <laughs> going through David Lynch's head at all times. Like I was saying, this movie is layered. Like you were saying, Ben. Mm. Uh, my theory is the first layer would be the uh, superficial layer, and I see the superficial layer as this movie is about the lost girl. Okay. Um, I see that she's in a hotel. She looks like she's doing some activity with it with someone. It fades. Then she's sitting by herself. Do you and think that's one of the same girl? Then you think that the that... lost girl is the girl watching TV. Mm-hmm. And I think she is. She's sitting on this bed. There's a choice to be made, and she watches the TV. And Nikki Grace, she's she's projecting her life choices through this person she's watching on TV. And you have the rabbits thing. And I think the rabbits, I I never seen the rabbits by themselves. So to me, the rabbits represented like the the happy family. This what it could be. And, and you're like the honeymooner. I like you're, that. You're like a sitcom. Right. The sitcom family. Yeah, that creepy edge to it, though. That just yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like Very so creepy. inappropriate. Like, the laughing is so inappropriate. But I like that yeah. a lot. The idea that maybe this is not a really good family home. Yeah, she's it's, not. Man. She has a family. But yeah, the rabbits are representing this, this maybe superficial family. But it slowly deteriorates with a simple choice. So... That's layer one. It's just about the lost girl, a choice that she is going to make that will ruin her family or not ruin her family. Layer two um, is the Nikki and Devin story. The movie that we were talking about that was on High and Blue Tomorrows, which is a reference almost to what Grace's character, Visitor One, she says, I can't seem to remember if it's today, two days from now, or yesterday. I suppose if it was 9.45, I'd think it was after midnight. For instance, if today was tomorrow, you wouldn't even remember that you owed on an 
unpaid bill. Actions do have consequences. And yet, there is the magic. If it was tomorrow, you would be sitting over there. It's interesting. There's all these references to tomorrows and today's. But oh. time in general, too, is, a, yeah. is is in there a lot. Watches and uh, that one ceremony where they burn the cigarettes through the silk. You have to have a watch there, too, or something. Hmm. Yeah. So that's just there a lot, yeah. Yeah, like time. But at the same time, I felt like time had no meaning. So I kind of feel like Lost Girl is watching this TV and it's she's watching this movie or show about these people, Nikki and Devin, making this movie. And we, we learn about what the movie is. Nikki has to make this choice. Does she cheat on her husband with Devin, who is a known sleazebag, that group meeting with all his girls that he's ever, you know, slept with, and they all break out into a dance, which was very bizarre. It was kind of cool, though. I kind of liked it. Is, is that what those girls are? I yeah, I think they're That's all... That's what the, they're supposed to be? I think they're the, like, they're all the girls that Devin has slept with. Oh, that because has, of how their, their dialogue, and they're always talking about the creepy guy, right? Yeah, and they're talking about Devin. Okay, yeah, I, I guess that makes it. sense. I almost thought it was going to turn into this, like revenge story where they're all going to get together and they were going to go beat him up or kill him. And at one point, I, I wondered if all the girls were one person, too. I was trying to like say, is this all really... Uh, these are all these girls really representing one w- woman. Like, Well, in theory, it could be. her, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It could be all the I, versions so of her. I'll throw my hat in. I Going back to the, the Twin Peaks one, I saw these as Column Lodge or whatever, but as part of... Because they just kind of came out of nowhere mm. and they're just with her. They break into song and dance and that kind of thing. Yeah. And they're kind of guiding her. Sometimes they're friendly to her. Sometimes a little mean to her. Sometimes they ignore her. I don't know. I saw that as, you know, like the, say, the giant or something like that. Some Mm. kind of messenger. Like some kind of spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual guide. But yeah, but what you guys are saying, it all kind of makes sense. One of them says, like, I knew he was going to, like, just leave me. And this other girl, she mm. was all depressed about it. Mm. And the other girl's like, I knew it. You know, like, what was the big deal? Stop being a baby. And this one girl's all like, I can't believe he was so hot. You know, like, mm. so I I got the impression they were like, all the girls that he he uh, left. He he does a movie. He, che- he cheats on his family, his wife, with whoever the lead actress is. And when the movie's over, they're done. He, he moves on back to his wife, mm-hmm. and these girls are just kind of left by themselves. That's I what I got that. out of it, anyway. But, yeah. but at the same time, that could be, like, literally what they are. But yeah. Do you see what I mean? But oh, yeah, somehow yeah. they're also singing and dancing in her head. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny how they play it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it could be, like, yeah. this, like, layer upon her emotions, too. We can be physically mm. seeing, like, all the things going on in her head. Mm. Like, it could be uh, an internal struggle of her going, I knew he was going to leave me, but at the same time, how dare he? Like, it could be rep- representing all her emotions in one room, just like, uh, like you say, it's a Black Lodge or something. It's like representing different things. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. that can go and, different ways. Yeah. 
you, and you get the sense if, if you keep harping on the Black Lodge thing, but you know, they're all diverse, like, you know, Bob and the little man want different things. Mm. You know, it's, it's not like they were all, all the same motive. So when you get these different, uh, from the other movies that you may not have watched yet, but the, the cowboy and the mystery man, yeah. they're all kind of around there messing with emotions, but different kind of motivations all along the line. And I think it's the same in this movie, but these, I call them the girl gang. Yeah. yeah the girl yeah. gang. <laughs> so in, in, I think at the end of the movie that, uh, oh. they, they have the, uh, is, is it a screwdriver? I think. Or, yeah. That's what I was going to get into. Yeah, get into that. The screwdriver. We know that's how everybody has died in all these iterations of this mm. echoing of the story is the screwdriver. Now here's the interesting part. This is the part. Is the girl gang part of the movie? Because Nikki is stabbed by Devin's wife on the streets. And as she's laying there dying, you have homeless people saying very familiar dialogue, which I think we, this is like the second or third time we've heard it from crazy Sarah Palmer in the beginning, Visitor One. They're repeating the same dialogue. Mm-hmm. They're saying it in different ways, though. The husband, I think, is the other one that says it. Yes. You know, consequences and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so you have the homeless woman. And she's saying... What time is it? I don't know. It's after midnight. After midnight? Then the Asian woman starts telling the story about this woman who has a blonde wig, who wants to be in Hollywood, who has a hole in her vagina. But that, we just heard the same story about putting a hole in a shirt... With, with, a a cig- with a cigarette. Oh, a cigarette. Cigarette, yeah. And you look through the hole, and it, like, it was like the same dialogue, but in different iterations, just like the story has been passed on, because it was a folklore. Yeah. So then, Did you notice the uh, blonde wig girl at the end of the movie? Yes. Yeah, she was sitting you, there. Yes, so, you yeah. saw everything at the end. Yeah, you saw yeah, a woman the, with a peg leg, right. with the fake leg, yeah. and everything. All the characters. Like, it was, like was kind of like the play has ended the radio play has ended yeah. and the cast can now take their yeah. bow they can yeah. all come by yep. and, and and have a dance number yeah <laughs> and so that's my layer two is this movie in a movie like you were saying mark and ben like like i kind of feel like this it's like repetitively just happening happening in different ways different ways and then i have a third layer which is nikki finds the hotel room at the end and the last girl who was stuck in this hotel who i She's been watching the whole thing. Here's the fight, real quick. Yeah. At the very beginning of the movie, she's sitting there crying, and you see a quick, yeah. uh, a quick flash of of actress Sarah Palmer there walking up to the. Uh, to really. The, so, yeah. so it's like she's kind of been watching I, the whole thing. Yeah. And I think she's watching rabbits too. So yes. I put her kind of in the hub there of, but you know, she's right. watching all these different stories. Maybe that's the main character. Maybe we've been uh, we've been duped into thinking <laughs> that Laura Dern is the main character. No, it's always that, been her. Is, I think yeah. it's a lost is that, girl. Um, yeah. Is that Julia or Mom? Do you guys know? Yes, I think. Yes, it is. I, I, we, we, we the last girl's Caroline. I think you're totally right. That's the one that got... Which one? Are you the, the, the wife of uh, the the wife there of Devin who, who stabbed. Yeah, Devin's wife. Yeah, that's another problem. They they cut to these little scenes. And it just seems a lot of these actresses kind of look alike, and they're speaking Polish. <laughs> and you're like, is that one a doppelganger or what? I yeah, I truly believe that the last girl. This is her story, mm. projecting onto what she's seeing in television. I think she's like she's taking all what she's learning from the rabbits. The rabbits is sort of like the wholesome stuff. Then she's watching this person go through an affair 
what could happen of being killed. And then you see rabbits three times, I think. And the third time, there's that fire. And I kind of see that, like, if you're married or you're with someone and you have a family and you take that bad, you take one bad choice in life, that ruins everything. Mm. And that's that fire I saw in the rabbits was burning. Yeah. And I was like, that's, I'm like, that's it. Like, to me, it was just like, you know, she's sitting here contemplating if I make, if I cheat on my husband, this family that I have is Mm. gone. Right. And I see all these horrible things that could happen maybe to me. And I, she, maybe she's projecting onto this, what she's watching. And then at the end, Laura Dern comes in. She finds a hotel, and she finds the last girl, and they kiss. And Laura Dern disappears. And that's what makes me believe the last girl. It's about her realizing what she do because then right afterwards, her husband and her kids show up, mm-hmm. which is the hus- her husband is the same husband that Nikki was right. married to. So I was wondering if she's projecting her own family into this scenario. And then everybody's like she's happy that she she's with her family and she didn't make a tr- this choice i mean that's how i saw i saw the last girl as the main character almost you never saw her but she was like living her life through this story i guess the only way i could st- it reminded me of i don't know if you guys seen requiem for a dream um yeah. do you, okay so you remember this old lady sarah goldfarb who the, she's the, the lady who gets um, gets addicted to, to the... television and she sees herself in yeah. the television like all she's so addicted she actually sees herself on all these shows and she gets on the on the painkillers and everything yeah 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 I, I kind of reminded me of that like she's mm. she's putting herself mm. in these scenarios so like she's living her life through Nikki and she's seeing the outcome mm. and me the outcome is always death. <laughs> Right. Being stabbed by the screwdriver is always going to happen. That seems to be the case. That's my whole theory on it. The movie is about marriage. Okay. So uh, that kind of goes with my theory. Go, yes. Bit. So uh, Grace uh, Zabrowski, Sarah Palmer, visitor number one, mm-hmm. neighbor, she comes and visits uh, Laura Dern's character. And she, when they're sitting down, it's like, oh, you're, the role you're going for, it's about marriage. And she's saying, uh, yeah. um, perhaps in some ways, she says, but and then it's your husband. He's involved. No, he's not involved. But like, there's that whole, there's this mm. whole conversation about marriage, and it seems, and like you're saying, right, is uh, infidelity, infidelity that could stuff. change everything. And I would, I think I was being thrown off for a long time with. It seemed to be a lot about like whores, or I don't know, prostitutes, and and <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't sure if your your woman gang were prostitutes. I wasn't sure they did they, turn into they prostitutes. Did prostitutes. So, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's that it's the variations, it's the infidelity, right. it's, it's all that, and it just gets spun out somehow. Into yeah, maybe when a woman or anybody, male or female, was infidelity, maybe that's how they feel. Maybe th- this guy made them feel like whores because it, he treated them like one. Yeah, he had sex with them, used them, and left them, and maybe that's how they feel. So you, right. you're represented mm-hmm. as whores. Maybe they they're not. But that's how they're perceived. Yeah, and then there, and then there seemed to be like this whole spouse abuse too, which it was like there was another strange thing where yeah. near the end of the film, uh, Lord Dern walks up uh, up some stairs and she meets this guy and she's telling her story and she's beat up and and, and oh, she's yeah. telling horrible stories too. Like Tell- she, 
Yeah. yeah. But then he was kind of like, the guy is like, so did you cheat on your husband? Yeah, I did. I cheated. I was like, uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to drink. I wanted, yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to drink. That's why I was doing it. I caught that too. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you think about that guy she was talking to in there too? I saw him as another, you know, some kind of uh, a lodgy kind of guy. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, as sure. like a counselor. Like, com- in, like processing or something. Almost. Right. Yeah. But he come, come to find out, I mean, he was in that was part of the movie. Yeah. That was all part of the movie. And he's like the usher at the theater. Oh yeah. And then all was, was he? Yes, because I remember him. she walks into the theater and she sees herself and she's remembering mm. this the the scene in the theater comes on and it's the scene with her telling that story to that guy. And oh my goodness. and then the guy walks out from the side of the movie theater, they make eye contact. And I think it's a blue light or, oh, God, I blue or red. He walks into the lights and he walks away and he's an usher. He's a movie usher. Hmm. And so, like, he, she's physically seeing the scene that just played out with her talking about that yeah. on the, right. the movie screen. And, and you she, think of, like, a movie usher, you know, kind of a not important position, but in terms of movies and, and David Lynch's world, maybe it is. You mm, know, he's kind yeah. of a guardian there, a guy, letting yeah. people in and out of the movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, mm. and and there is, I think it comes up a couple times where Lord Dern's saying how she would be in a dark theater before being brought into the light. That's it. And that's what's being said. That's what's being said. So maybe, mm-hmm. it's, and then there's this whole thing about she, her her son died. And so it's kind of like, there's definitely all this, all these all these pain and terrible things happening. And then this movie ends with a happy ending in some ways. The family is reunited. So it's like, maybe this is like, we have choices in life and, and, and these choices, you know, have consequences. And if you, right. if you, if you don't take care of your family, you're going to lose it. I, I don't know. It's, Oh, but it's, we, but, but, but maybe the whole movie is, you know, getting through those consequences. And if you deal with, deal with stuff, you know, mm. you can have a happy ending. Right. Is it like Job or something? We go into the Bible, you lose all your family to get your family and you learn May- some lesson or something. Yeah. I feel like this woman, the lost girl was l- learning lessons while watching these different iterations of this story. Um, but one thing I want to bring up was we did have the one visitor, but we had visitor number two. And visitor number two says this reiterates the same thing that visitor number one said, and it was always pay your debt. And mm. there was something about a guy named Cramp. Hmm. Uh, I think she mentioned Cramp who, too. Yeah. Uh, visitor uh, number two was Mary Strunbergen. Is that is that uh, t- is that Ted Danson's uh, wife? Maybe yes, I, so, yeah, I yes, that is Ted Danson's wife. Who was she in the movie? I didn't recognize her. Oh, where was she in that? I'm trying she to... comes <laughs> in. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we're at the right. We're near the end of the movie at the house. She's at the. She comes to the house there, and she looks okay. beaten up. Yeah, and uh, it's almost like. What Laura Dern's gonna look like? What Nikki's gonna look like? Then you're talking about um, the, the marriage is all about mm. marriage, and I that clicked with me because they talk about several times an agreement, you know, being bound, you know, even beyond yeah, marriage. Right. That yep. idea of you made a deal mm. and you got to stick with it, which that's a Lynch thing too. You know, mm. that's Cooper in that last episode. You know, he he agrees, and for some reason. Yeah. That's not good for him. We mm. will find out, right? All these situations, you know, the the affair that uh, Nikki has or supposedly has, it, it was all forced upon her almost. You know, it, it was all this, all these uh, temptations, mm. and everything was kind of leading to that. Um, 
so I think the domestic abuse, that's enough, you know, you're in that kind of relationship, you should be able to get out of your contract. Well, not this one. Yeah. So it's all that kind of, mm. the, the context they're adding on, on to that, that idea of a woman in trouble. Basically. Yeah. In Nikki, I just looked at my notes. I took a lot of notes. Um, Nikki starts being, we find out that Nikki starts being hit. I'm assuming this is the movie. This is the movie, maybe. I don't know. We, we, I guess it's something we'll mm. never know. But Nikki's husband can't father children. He says, because when she goes, I'm pregnant, mm. she goes, later on you find out, he's like, I can't father children. So he starts beating her. And I think that's, um, he knows that she cheated on him with Devin. Mm-hmm. And that's when she goes to Devin's family um, at one point, and Devin's wife, she's the one that gets the screwdriver. Um, But she takes the screwdriver out of Nikki's hands and stabs her with it. Well, the funny thing is when she first tells it, she's actually, she's telling it to a cop about she's going to kill her husband, and you find out the screwdriver is actually in her. Yes. So she wants, she says, I'll do anything to kill him, and then you realize, oh, she's... Yeah, that was bizarre. It was already in her... Are we led to... I mean, maybe the idea is that sometimes it's self-infliction that you you kind of lay in the bed that you made, but... Maybe. My figure... I don't want to go down this hole of, like... Agreeing <laughs> that, like, if you cheat on no. your spouse, that you deserve to get beat up or anything. <laughs> You're in this ugly situation with a guy, even if he hasn't beaten you yet. You, you know, you know the kind of guy he is. I mean, mm. she's scared when they're having the affair. So to me, that's she should be able to get out of that situation. But that's the whole movie. She's stuck in this contract with whoever that yeah. she can't get out of. And did you guys notice the, I noticed such, like I mentioned, there is these repeating of uh, dialogue, Mm. but scenes were mirroring each other. They're having the barbecue and Nikki's kind of like daydreaming, looking into the sky, doing whatever. This must be multiple versions of the story going backwards because when it first was told they were a rich, they had money. Hmm. Um, Nikki's husband, he was wealthy, he's well-known, he could pull strings in Hollywood. But every time we saw her husband, things got weird. So the second time we saw her husband, they're having dinner, and he looks kind of downtrodden, and he goes, we can barely afford this watered-down warm beer. So they and they're on a small table eating dinner against yeah, the yeah. wall. Yeah, I I actually did. Yeah, I took that as a separate story. Yeah, I didn't take that as necessarily being Nikki. That was after you know she was starting to make the deal and and that kind of thing. And she's going down the hallways, and then she comes out one time, and she's in you know Eastern Europe. All yeah. of a sudden, as a housewife. Mm. Yeah, so I took that as one of those something happened, and it's still kind of the same. You know, we're still following their relationship. But now, you know, they're not the power couple anymore. Mm. Now they're in, yeah. I don't you know, Poland somewhere. Yeah, it's getting so. smaller and smaller. I mentioning Poland, mm. this, part of this film was shot in Poland. I think we had right. Poland, Polish actors. There's in there stuff. doing, yeah. yeah. Then we see him again, and they have him having a barbecue, which the back of the house looked like crap mm. on purpose. Mm. I'm sure to say that, like, it's almost squalor. He's wearing a white T-shirt, and they're just having hot dogs. That's it. Right. It's a barbecue of hot dogs. And he, he squirts ketchup all over his shirt. He's yeah. like, get paper towels. And she's just like, yeah, they're right there. Yeah, I was like, I thought that, that that ketchup was like maybe blood. And like, were you, it was, yeah. did, they, did you already kill the person with the screwdriver? No. <laughs> yes. Okay. So that ketchup scene, I think it's her when she's laying on the ground in the street 
the ketchup stain looks just like the ketchup stain on the shirt. Yeah. Or someone's ketchup, yeah, the yeah. ketchup stain resembles a, a wound someone will have later on in the movie. Right. It's a reflection I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of dream-like feelings to this yeah. movie and the ha- and there's definitely times where they talk about memory Laura Dern's character says that she has trouble remembering things the right way and that makes me think of Lost Highway with Fred where he's like mm-hmm. I like to remember things my own way and you know it's that's just, that whole movie yeah. yeah and Freddy with animals so here's the thing <laughs> we have Freddy in the beginning who's on the movie set who randomly says I'm good with animals he says yeah, all I didn't these, get that. He says all these things, <laughs> and then later on you see him doing it to other people on the movie set because he just goes, oh, Anna need money, and I need money to pay rent. <laughs> I'll get you back. Five and, bucks, right. Yeah, and then you see him doing it to some other people, and they're kind of looking at him, right. and he's pulling the same garbage. The Asian woman on, on the floor, she mentions the blonde wig movie star looks good, the hole in the vagina, and then um, like a hole in a shirt, and then the pet monkey. And I thought of, I uh, thought of Freddy. Says he's good with animals, which was so bizarre. And he had a pet monkey or something. Yeah. And you see the monkey yeah. at the end of the movie. It was just yeah. like a reflect. It was like different things said numerous times. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. I kept on thinking like I feel like I take, need to take like lots of notes. And somehow if I watch this a hundred times, them, I yeah. would connect it all because it, there yeah. were so many different threads. Did you see Terry uh, Crews? Terry Crews was the street. Right, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, look Crazy. at that. The Harry Dean Stanton there. To me, he's like one of those. I mean, he's a great actor, but he's got that you know that weary, world weary uh, presence. And in Fire Walk with Me, he's kind of like connected to what's going on but mm. not you know not he's not a he doesn't come off as the killer or anything like mm. that you see i've already gone places i, I, I just want to stay where i am and, and you get that again here he's like kind of zooming in on something are you enjoying yourself ready well there's a vast network, right? An ocean of possibilities. I like dogs. I used to raise rabbits. I've always loved animals. Their nature, how they think. I have seen dogs reason their way out of problems. Watch them think through the trickiest situations. Do you have a couple of bucks I could borrow? I've got this damn landlord. And then all of a sudden he's asking for five bucks. You know, <laughs> he, he completely snaps back or right. whatever. But he's a great character. He is. And he's in the new Twin Peaks, right? If yeah. I'm not mistaken. I think. Right. Yeah. Oh, he is. So. Nice. He is. We'll see I'm what they do there. Right. So I want to say, uh, do you know David Lynch is in this film? Yes. Okay. He plays that voice, the embodied voice uh, of the <laughs> probably like someone doing the set. Bucky, yeah, Bucky J. Bucky, Bucky J. The Bucky. Yeah. Yeah, Bucky. So Bucky, he's his job is to run the lights, which I think yeah. is funny because we started this uh, this talking about how the lighting isn't very good in this. No, film. it's not. And it's so funny because David Lynch's uh, character, at least the voice <laughs> of him, is running the lights. So I, I don't right, know if there's right. a joke there. That whole scene, the Bucky scene. It was kind of a take on if you saw any of it, and I watched some of it, but that that one documentary where he's kind of 
you know, it was like a scene out of there, except he wasn't the director now. He was the one getting yelled at for yeah. the lighting. <laughs> yeah, so there's an Inland Empire documentary called One. Yeah. I'm to watch that. All, on... all it is, and it's on the DVD. There, yeah. It's on the on the, the in, Inland Empire DVD. And it's really just cameras there and Lynch just hanging out. Like he'll make a phone call, he's <laughs> like doing this. And it's like, yeah, there's smoking no, the cigarette. no narrator. It's just kind of like the, wow. day in life, the day in the life That's of David Lynch. Lynch. That's awesome. So speaking of movies, though, at this point in the movie, I'm thinking to myself, her life is Nikki's life is being she's confusing it with her real life because that one scene when she goes when she's kissing uh, Devin she goes hey this is just like it was in the script and then you realize that was the movie because the director's like cut what are you doing Um, so there's a scene after Nikki is stabbed by the screwdriver which I think is real life the homeless people do their whole spiel and then all of a sudden it pans out and we're on the movie set Mm. and i was like Mm -hmm. i was taken aback i was taken aback by two things wow didn't see that coming Mm. so this is all been the movie and then the second thing was i like how he made the fake camera because obviously he didn't use film so he made the panasonic camera or whatever and he had the blue tape on it and i thought it was (laughs) so funny because if he actually had used real cameras, they would have just panned out and you would have saw the studio cameras. Right. It was like a cardboard box that That's looked like funny. a camera. <laughs> but what did you guys think when that moment happened? you guys remember? Like, like yeah, was I, it a surprise? I, just took it, I took that as another, I think we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, and Ben, you were talking about the different uh, mediums for mm. storytelling. Mm. And, you know, there's there's that one point where Laura Dern, or uh, I guess it's Nikki, they're, they're rehearsing. And then she gets confused. She thinks this is real life, and she kind of mm-hmm. calls out that they're having an affair um, accidentally. So I, I took that as didn't get a lot of thought, but another take on that kind of thing. Like, oh, we're watching a the movie. There's a dream going on. It's based on an old cursed folk tale, and that wasn't uh, that wasn't completed. You know what I mean? Just yeah. another angle um, thrown in there somewhere. The strange thing is she's on the ground for a while and then she does get up and she's kind of out of it and the director's kind of like, what's your deal? Yeah, and stuff. she's so we she, get out of it. She, she, I think she is having yeah. trouble. I mean, kind of. I think we're all right. It comes back to the uh, the girl in the hotel crying. Is she having trouble with reality in the sense mm. of TV isn't real, film isn't real, uh, a radio play is not, not real. real. Like the reality is, is you should get off your butt and go to your family and not – you know, live in this fantasy world of cheating and being with people because, like, at the time, it seems like a great thing. Like, oh, this man seems like the greatest man ever. He's so much better than my real life. And then you come to reality and be like, oh, that guy is an asshole. Yeah, no, I I, to- I, I agree, Ben. I, I, I like that. So, Mark, do you remember David Lynch uh, had a cow? Yes. <laughs> that was the big uh, marketing campaign. So was that for the movie he or was that for Laura Dern to so- be a... Uh, for an Academy Award, I right? Think. For an Academy Award for Inland Empire, David Lynch didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. But he sat in a chair. He had a real life, a real cow, and he had a sign with Lord Dern for your consideration for Academy Award and stuff. But he was just out on the highway, right? <laughs> yeah. Sitting out on the highway, yep. in, a, in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought Laura Dern was really good in this. She was amazing. Uh, right? I thought she yeah. was really good. Like I know, I kind of criticized the look. But because it felt like I was watching a whole movie, it never felt cheesy. It felt like she was real, like mm. she gave it her all. Like there, it wasn't like, hey, we're shooting it, I'll give you a half ass. This was like, they all took it like a real movie. It felt like I was watching yeah. a whole movie, but it worked. 
and I thought she was really good. She was amazing. She yeah. really was something else. It reminded me of uh, the range Cheryl Lee in uh, Fire Walk with me. Oh just, yeah, you know, yeah, just from one scene to the next, just all over. And I, and I think about Naomi Watts in a uh, in Mulholland Drive. Like you see her where she's kind of a flake, and all of a sudden she gives the performance yeah. of her life where she really can uh, act too. And, and yeah, oh yeah, that's a, yeah, a great example. In my notes, I'm noticing, okay, after we realized it was a fake, it was a movie when they pan out, it goes back to the last girl. She's watching TV. And this is the part when Laura Dern's on the movie screen. And I called the weird guy a detective because I felt like she was telling him stuff. Like he was going to, I called him the detective guy. So this is what I wrote. Um, The detective guy, they're on the movie screen. She's seeing this on the movie screen. He comes out as an usher. Nikki follows him. He was under blue light, and we all know that blue light in David Lynch films means something. She follows him, and this this is where she gets the gun. She gets the gun on a green jacket, which was the same kind of jacket he was wearing. It was Hmm. a green jacket in a drawer, and that's where. And that was mentioned somewhere. It was the man in the green coat. It's sort of like Twin Peaks where the dream gives Cooper the clues. It's sort of like she Mm -hmm. gave the clues out to this character, and then we saw the clues. Oh, yeah, and I almost took that part of it as I was thinking about it the last time going through because she really does, like, lay things out. The first time or two you're watching it, you're like, this is just weird, you know, David Lynch stuff. She's just rambling on and on, but she's pretty specific about what's going to happen. And I almost took that as, you know, we're playing with time and all that. But that scene there, that's the end. You know, she's coming to tell and she's saying stuff like, you don't even remember any of this? She's telling that to Laura Dern right there. Yeah. And then she kind of gets coy and like, oh, okay, well, memory's tricky. You know, I forget things too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Very interesting. This is where the ending, this is where the meat of the story. So 47 is a red door. Does that mean anything in the Lynch world? 47. It's a red door. This he, he is where likes she goes. numbers, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I didn't know. I was thinking maybe uh, is that uh, around Laura Dern's age around that time. But I, <laughs> no. That's all I had. I had yeah. nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I think, I believe, I could be wrong. I feel like the name of the original film was like the Polish 47 project or something like that oh okay i could be wrong about that but so she she finds the door which is something she's been every time she just got caught in a loop and we just saw the story unfold again and again so she finds the red door which is yet another uh david lynch color and the guy comes out of the alley um and he shoots she shoots the guy in the face and then it gets so bizarre like she's shooting and shooting Mm. and obviously they don't have there's no like exit uh, entry wound or anything, right? And his face turns into a weird. It looks like her face. It does a little bit, doesn't with it? With makeup right. and blood just pouring out of the mm-hmm. mouth, but it looks like it's superimposed. They they actually did that in the film at one point where Lauren Dern's face. She's walking towards herself, distorted, and, and it. Oh my god, so creepy. She gives us, and they yeah. distort the face. The she looks like a clown, an evil clown. Mm. Oh. I gave me the chills. They do. They do some. He does something like that in the uh, the missing pieces with uh, Laura, where he makes her smile. I don't know if you guys have covered that kind of stuff yet. But yeah. He, he forces that creepy smile that she doesn't want to have on her face, and mm. it, it reminds me of that. So yeah, it like was, a newer Lynch kind of technique. 
Yeah, it was very creepy. And then mm -hmm. this is when she kills the gypsy who put the curse on the whole thing and she shoots him. And then that's when the last girl is found by Nikki. And I almost say like, you know, I was like found her innocence, found herself, her family, her husband, her son, Nikki with a blue dress on a full circle because Nikki's now wearing a full dress, a blue dress when they do that whole the whole uh, ending, dancing. the whole dancing. And like we can pick apart the ending. The girl with the missing leg, you see her with the with the she's stumbling. We see the monkey. We see the girl with the blonde wig. There's a dance party and they're singing Nina Simon's Sinner Man. Hmm. Which I thought the weirdest part, my girlfriend came home from work and she goes, Hey, that's Nina Simon's Sinner Man. I go, How do you know that? And she goes, Oh, it was in it was in uh, another movie and I like that song. And I was like I was like, wow, what an interesting song. So all these girls are singing. This this song came out like in the 60s and the okay. 50s. And oh, then wow. the log lady's husband. I was like, there's a guy sawing a log. And I thought of the <laughs> log lady's husband. And as Mark said, I th what I thought, of course, was DavidLynch.com's website where uh, Lynch would be, I think, Mark, you said that he would be sawing and say, I think what he said, coming yeah. soon, you know, you were saying. like, uh, Working on it. Working, working on, on it. it. Working on it. So it was like. And he had a little animation yeah. where he was uh, sawing. <laughs> it does feel like. Like, if this was Lynch's last film, he went out his way. He went mm -hmm. out with all these things yes. that were like, it was like a, I feel like it's a celebration. I watched the entire like so. credits right. because but, it was entertaining. I, when I came out of the theater in 2006, you're, you're drained because it's, it's uh, three hours long. Mm. I went to a yeah. late show. It's one o'clock and I'm across town to get to the independent theater. But I felt I was, you know, it's kind of like new to the, where I live now in Washington, D.C. and, you know, kind of a strange city at one thirty. But I felt euphoric. I don't know. I just came mm. out of there and the gospel kind of beat going to it. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a happy ending and a, a celebration. Um, his, like you said, it's his 10th movie. We haven't had anything uh, since. So it kind of makes sense. You know, maybe he's, he's moved on and, and doing Twin Peaks from now on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this was his last thing ever, it was like sort of like he went off hit uh, like you know on a high right. and the movie was yeah. depressing and sad so to like make you leave the theater mark in a happy mood i think he did his job like he yeah, he, yeah. he he left the audience smiling in a weird way because can you imagine his last film being left out on a downer right that would stink right. and maybe he thought like this could be it so i'll just do it and, this way you know i don't yeah. know and, and and sticking to that last movie I mean, I don't think there's any question. This is like his biggest enigma, you know, so many levels and puzzles oh, yeah. um, that you can you can pick this apart for years. I mean, we, we scratched the surface, really. I yeah. mean, every scene, that's, that's something about this movie. It almost seemed like every scene was important. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah. something's <laughs> happening here. Something's turning. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all true. And, and uh, if the, that was his last straw. Until you know, and then we got the the show coming back. But that's something, and it's and it's hard to get through. I mean, I've watched mm. it a couple of times through the years, but you'll see in the you know Twin Peaks on people talk online. This really splits people, and they're like, I I just think he went too far. You know, it's too it's too abstract. But I think it does make sense to David Lynch, and it's just up to us, <laughs> you know, to just keep looking at it. If 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 you care enough. To, to kind of figure out what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about this, and like, this is one of those times where 
definitely David Lynch had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. And like you, you always you always complain about the studios. You, you have television he had no or, studio. Or, he had no studio. <laughs> yeah. So like here's a guy. He's like I can do whatever I want. I can kind of make it as long as I want. For the most part, it's over yeah. two hours long. And here's what you're gonna get. And in some ways, it's beautiful, and you get to see this is a work of art by this guy. And other times, you're kind of like, wow, maybe you need a con- yeah. uh, constriction sometimes. Um, I'm, I can't stop agreeing with you because I had I had noted that it reminded me. It's it's completely different, but just that it's just him doing it. It's back to a racer head, you know. Mm. He doesn't have the studio. He doesn't he doesn't have to worry about getting canceled or the or the budget or anything like that. He's just his ideas in the credits. David Lynch's name is popping up a lot in there, you know. Yeah, he, he's got his hands on this, and he kind of if this is him going out, it's kind of full circle, you know. He right. had you follow those ten movies, and that's it's a roller coaster ride, you know. He's He's the blockbuster with Dune and, you know, critical acclaim, and then they turn on him. And mm. it's, it, it really is an interesting, uh, a whole kind of complete journey there. Yeah. It is kind of funny to think that Racerhead was such an independent film, and he, right, he kind of got to do whatever he wanted, and it took him multiple years to do. And then to go from yeah. this last film, it's the same thing. It's kind of an independent film, and he can do whatever he wants. And it's, but at the same time, he has so many more friends and so many more people that can be yeah. in it with him, which it's is like, yeah, it's like a racer head with him learning how to make the movie, and now he's you know a you know he's he's a genius basically in terms of being able to create a movie, and this is how he wanted to go out with something different. Still, you know, this isn't Mulholland Drive where you can kind of sit down and and just connect them after a viewing. So this is just something to keep watching if you can stomach it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> right. So and the other thing is too, then like, so we have this, which is 10 years ago. Do we think that this is what's going to be for Twin Peaks? Like, no. No, like, like no. is this, we know, I think, is, is he, he's using film, I believe now, right? Yeah. He's not using video. Oh God, they're going to be making yeah. sure it looks good. Like, <laughs> like Showtime is going to be like, yeah, make it look like a whole movie. Yeah. I mean, it looked I mean, it worked for this film. He's going to be working not with film, probably digital, real digital cameras, HD uh, digital cameras, maybe film. I think he might be. I think it was confirmed that he, he, I think he wanted to go digital, but I can't remember. Do you know, Mark? I I feel like he actually did get to go. Yeah, it it seemed like he was wavering back and forth on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember discussion on that. um, But yeah, um, he settled on, on film. That's yeah. great. That's great to hear. Which is what oh, the original Twin Peaks was shot on, yeah. so why not go... I think he knows his craft, and I think he knows Twin Peaks, and you have Mark Frost keeping him in check. Yeah. And I think David Lynch works best almost when he has a structure, and there's someone saying, shouldn't do this. Maybe you should do that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But you, someone just give him a little bit balance. There's no balance. Yeah. You know? If you think Twin Peaks... If you guys, I you know, I pretty much think that's the pinnacle, and that's his collaboration with mm. Frost, who's all about you know the structure and the world building and all that, and they obviously hit it off. And uh, I think we're going to see a return to form. I think in terms of the new series, it's going to be more like Inland Empire than the original series, just because things have evolved and you know they want to keep it fresh. But yeah, I think it's we're not going to be that confused <laughs> yeah. after watching yeah. I mean dark I, I could definitely that. see it like be more risque like and like more darker tone yeah. but still retain that quirkiness um, but yeah keeping it like there's still a mystery but you can follow it and it's not going to be a dream and dream and a movie and a movie and a movie you know there could be there could be some of that because he really hasn't let that go that's true you know since, <laughs> since, the, since the series he, he likes that stuff so and you look we'll at, see. Yeah. I think 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, look at Firewalk with me. We have Laura looking at a painting and inside, maybe, I don't know if it's part of the Black Lodge or above the yeah. convenience store. And you definitely have these layers and, and you don't know if uh, if Annie is sleeping and Laura is sleeping and Cooper's in the dream or is he in the red room. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't That's think true. he's going to let it up. He, I'm sure it'll be just as complicated as ever. But. Yeah, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But I think, you know, I think Frost will... Yeah, I think something interesting that we we haven't really seen before will come out of that. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I think we, we've said on the first, uh, like especially you see in the first season, you can have this very artistic way about David Lynch, and then you had Mark Frost who brought meaning to it, which I thought was beautiful. You have these red room, and then all of a sudden in the real world, uh, Cooper would be like those red drapes. Jock's cabin. That's a clue. We have to go follow it. And I kind of thought that was a great yeah. uh, a balance. Mm-hmm. They, I mm-hmm. think they complement each other very well. And a weekly show like Twin Peaks needs that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it's it interesting does. to see a be interesting to see a Mark Frost cut of Inland Empire. What he could make of that? <laughs> it would be <laughs> some kind of order. right. A Mark Frost. It would probably be in like an hour and a half. Yeah. It would be cut <laughs> and dry. Yes. You know, commercial breaks. Yeah. Yes. Great. There would have been a cop in there somehow investigating the whole murder. Yeah. It's so weird. I enjoyed the movie a lot. I was telling Ben, I, I can't compare it to all his work because I haven't seen it all because I'm doing it with the show here. After I'm done, I like to see where this falls. Mm. But I enjoyed it and it was just entertaining and fun and interesting and made me think and like I got confused, but I did enjoy it. It is a tough movie to watch. It's a long one. I feel like if it was a bit shorter, maybe it was more palatable for people to right. say an hour and a half, too. But three hours. Whew. Have you guys jumped on to, uh, I think it's on this too. There's like uh, basically a missing pieces for uh, for Inland Empire, like oh. another hour and a half, I think. No. I don't know no. anyone who's, who's I, made that journey. <laughs> I've not seen that yet. It's funny because I was watching I feel, some of the DVDs, but I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, like it's. I think it's a. It's like ninety minutes oh of additional scenes that didn't make it. I'm like, uh, I gotta get the uh, the main feature down for right. another ten years, and then maybe I'll jump <laughs> into that. Yeah, well, I'm interested actually to watch it now because I got the DVD. I am too. I'm I'm kind of saving it, you know, just like the missing pieces. I was waiting for years, and, yeah, and just let it bubble up. And when you, because I I really don't think I have a a full grasp of this movie yet. I don't know how you can. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, you know, even on like the internet and stuff, I don't see like the explanation out there. So this one's going to stick stick around for a while. I feel. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's this movie is still strange for me because I see so many elements of, of davidlynch.com. Like I, mm. I loved rabbits. Like I saw all the uh, eight or nine episodes that they had and they were so good and they were so entertaining. And then you put them in a whole different context and it's like, no, 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 that wasn't the story. It was the story of these rabbits. They were funny and honeymoons kind of feel to it. And now all of a sudden you're putting it with spouse abuse. And, <laughs> and I, it was, oh, wow. It's hard. I've it, never it, watched that. I've never watched that. And I didn't know it's on YouTube. Yeah, you can the, find it on YouTube. And I, I, one of these days, I want to buy the Green Lime box, box yeah. David Lynch box, but it's like hundreds of dollars to buy. It's funny because you guys yeah. mentioned that coat and made me think of lime. I don't know why that that DVD set is called Lime Box, mm, but you saying I don't know, but but it's so this movie. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen Inland Empire in ten years. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Wow. It's weird. It's like. 
like I'm I, I'm seeing it again and I I'm liking it more and I want to try and understand it more and rewatch it again. Yeah. But it's one of those things I remember leaving the theater being kind of like, whoa, that was a lot to digest. Like yeah. there's parts yeah. I love, but it's a lot to take in. It is a lot, and I think maybe that's why people don't like it as much or it's intimidating right. or. Maybe they're just kind of like, okay, lunch. I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Like they give up. They're like, throw. Yeah, I throw yeah, the yeah. towel. I don't. I don't yeah. feel like people hate it. Like the fans. It's just like, no. and 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 you. I think you guys will. You'll feel the same. If, if I don't know when you watched it, but after you watch it, you're like, wow, I made it through this. That kind of thing. But and you don't. You don't completely understand it all. But you're just not ready to jump back into that. <laughs> you know, yeah. for a while. I think you got to let it rest. Yeah, to definitely. Get back into it. Digest yeah. it all first. But I, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I do d- want to watch the deleted scenes, but I'll give it a few weeks, <laughs> you know? Right. So, so Mark, why don't you plug the podcast, tell people how they could uh, follow you? Yeah, thank you. It's Dear Metal Radio. Uh, we, we, we come out monthly. It's all the usual places. Uh, so Google Dear Metal Radio, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Just try and kind of like dive deep into one subject. You know, and we, we kind of stretch it out to the periphery. Like we're talking here today about, you know, this isn't Twin Peaks, but it eh, it kind of is maybe, mm, you know. Right. So looking, and, and that's how they set Twin Peaks up, you know. It's all these different threads and and dangling uh, loose threads 25 whatever years later. So that's what we try to do. Um, yeah, give us a give us a try. Dear Meta Radio. Well, you do an excellent job. I, like I said, you're one of my favorite uh, Twin Peaks podcasts. I really think you do an excellent job of the research. I mean, you, I, you, it definitely shows that you put a lot of, of time into the show. I feel like every time I, l- I listen to your show, I learn something new about Twin Peaks, and I've been following Twin Peaks for 25 years. So, uh, And I can start yeah, listening I to think- your show now. Because I'm, I there finally finished <laughs> the show. You're and... in the clear now. You, yes. you might get spoiled for Wise Guy, but uh, <laughs> if you're willing, to yeah, I'm a big fan of you guys. Um, amazed, like I said, weekly. I, I don't know how you do it. I struggle with monthly. We're, in, we're insane. And you keep it, you keep it entertaining. You keep oh, it, you know, it's Thank always you. something fresh. And I try to do that too. You know, you don't want to just keep doing the same thing. So yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely downloading on a uh, day one every time you guys are. Up. Cool. Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So you can get to us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. Subscribe to us for free. We're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on the Facebook. And we're on Stitcher. So listen to us every week. And we'll be back next week. And don't forget, strange what love does. The thing to think about is when you do something, you don't know maybe uh, – where it will end up and how it will, you know, marry to something, how it could marry to something in the future. So uh, no matter what you do, um, some things you do and maybe they don't feel so correct when you do them. I mean, it feels finished or almost finished or something's not quite right. It isn't finished. For whatever reason, you sort of walk away from it. And later, unbelievable things can come out of that. It can, it, it, it's just like the perfect thing you've been looking for. So it's, um, it's interesting how that, that goes. Many things are started, and, um, but they hold um, so many seeds for something in the future. And it takes, time passes, and suddenly 
you see it in a whole different light. And all those seeds that were laying dormant, they just start sprouting and growing. So it's important you get an idea and you try to realize it as best you can. And maybe it's for the moment and it's fulfilling and it's perfect. Um, or maybe it sits for 10 years and then it becomes something perfect.